Welcome to a Hope Alive Church podcast, where we strive to be an authentic family of believers, where we believe everyone can encounter the living hope found only in Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy the word. in the mic. Hallelujah. Amen. Look at your neighbor. Tell him I'm glad you're here tonight. Amen. Hey, I want to gladly report we have six people being baptized in water tonight. Isn't that exciting? I'm so excited about that. And I hope that you are. We, of course, welcome those of you that are watching online tonight and everything. Such a sweet presence of the Holy Spirit here tonight to talk to a pastor today, or, or he's not a pastor anymore, but he is a, a pastor to pastors, if that makes sense. And I was talking about our Wednesday night service, and uh, he lives in a big city with, with uh, multiple churches that are well over 10, 20,000 in attendance, big in the DFW area. I mean, man, and a lot of those churches, even that big, they don't have Wednesday night service. We're so blessed. I just, I love coming to Wednesday night church with you. I love it. And I'm just happy about that. It might sound crazy, but but I'm just excited. It seems like Sunday's way too far to get together, only every seven days. So look at your neighbor and say, I like sitting by you and I like worshiping with you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's go to the word tonight. Thank you, Joe. We appreciate you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God for his presence tonight. Amen. I, uh, I want to go to the book of Luke. But while we do that, I want you to tell somebody, tell them next to you, tell them I'm a work in progress. <laughs> I am a work in progress. I said, I am a work in progress. If you're looking for a perfect pastor, I got good news and bad news. The good news is I'm a work in progress. The bad news is I'm a work in progress. Amen. Luke chapter 22. I want to take a second and put you in context of where we are in this passage of scripture before we jump into it because I think it's important to know the setting. I heard a preacher preach this week, there we go, I heard a preacher preach this week that we are, we are as Christians, we, we need to be careful that we are not reading the Bible out of context. Everybody say context. The Bible is good content, but it also is more powerful when you understand the context that it is set in. And, and a lot of people, they take the word and they take it out of context to use it for, uh, in a way that makes them uh, happy. It seems like when you're, when you're always mad, you can always find a scripture to support you being mad at somebody else. Seems like when you're arguing with your wife or your husband, you can find a scripture that says, well, husbands should be submissive to the, to the Lord <laughs> and wives should be submissive. You see what I'm saying? But really, we're using the content out of context. Okay. And so as good as good believers and disciples of the Lord, we want to use it in context. So I want to put the scripture in context. I know they've already got it up there, but 
Jesus is sitting in the Last Supper. This is the day that he will be handed over to, his, to, to the Romans. This is the day that it'll happen. And he is sitting with them, and if you know this passage of Scripture, they break bread, and of course they share what we understand as communion, the Lord's Supper, and, 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 and he's saying a lot of things. And right before the end of this joyous, emotional, intimate, he had prepared them for this moment, right? He told them in John chapter 14, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and, and, and I'm going to come back and get you, and you know, be not troubled and all these things. And he's going all the way, and then he looks over at one of the disciples, and he says, the Bible says in verse 31, says, the Lord said, Simon, Simon. I'm telling you, he's about to end this conversation, but he stops and he says, Simon, Simon. He says, indeed, Satan has asked for you. Satan has asked for you, Jesus says, and it says he desires to sift you like wheat. He desires to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. That should have made somebody shout. I don't know. Something good when the Lord prays for you. Jesus said, I have prayed for you and I have prayed that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Verse 33, but Peter said, Simon Peter, Simon said, but, but, but he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you. I'm both to prison and I'm, I'm ready to go to the death. And Jesus said, but I tell you, Peter, he said, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me. Three times deny that you even know me. I'm a work in progress. I may know Jesus, but I'm a work in progress. I may see him do miracles and raise the dead. I may see him with my own eyes feed 5,000, but I'm still a work in progress. If you're a work in progress, just take 20 seconds and praise the Lord that he's not giving up on you. Come on, praise him good like you mean it. That he's not giving up on you when you're a work in progress. As we go into this text, I find it, I find it very interesting that Jesus uses two names for the same person. He uses in verse 31 the name Simon, Simon. But later on in verse 33, I believe, he calls him Peter. Peter is the name Jesus gave Peter. Simon is the name his father gave Peter. I, I, I want to I lean into this text because I really believe it's important for us to, to, to man, pull and dissect the, how many of you remember, uh, you know, the projects in school where you had to dissect the frog? Or, or what all did they dissect? They dissect cats and stuff, or that was just us in West Odessa? We just did that. I don't know. Was that just us? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, maybe it's just frogs. Sorry about that. But it's interesting that Jesus refers to Simon by the name he took from him. Jesus refers to Simon by a name, other than using the name he gave him, which is Peter, Petrus, the rock. 
upon this rock I will build my church. He is, he is referring to Peter on a, on a name that was, that was given to him by his father. When his father was his spiritual authority, when his father was over uh, uh, his house, if you will, he had selected that name Simon as a son. But, but Jesus renamed Simon and, and he called him Peter. He was laying claim to Simon saying, you are not lo- no longer going to be Simon. Now you are going to be Peter. And, and that word is Petrus or rock or a solid foundation. And he said, upon this rock, I will what? Build my church is what he said. He said, and he gave this new name to him because he was not the same. The old Simon he used to be when he met Jesus. Simon used to have a bad temper and Simon used to have a lot of problems. But when he met Jesus, something changed on the inside of him and he no longer was the old person that he was. I wonder if anything changed when you met Jesus. I wonder if your old habits and your old ways begin to shift And if God gives you a new name because he's going to birth something new inside of you, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? A new creation and the old things have passed away and all things have what? Become new. I'm a little excited tonight. You know why? Because I'm a work in progress. That's why I'm a little excited because I relate. There's some things that I did in my old past But Jesus noted a behavior that was related to his past. So he called him by the behavior he was about to do. Jesus sees what we do not see. Jesus knows what's ahead of us when we do not know. See, Peter, back in those days, he was a little cowardly. Back in those days when he met him, uh, he was a little dull and he was kind of hot-headed in a way. But when he encountered Jesus, he became wise and and Jesus saw into the future and saw what was capable, what he was capable of. And even though Simon walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus and saw miracles that Jesus performed, he was still a work in progress the whole time because some days he would have it together and some days he'd be frustrated with the other disciples. And some days he would worship God with his whole heart and some days he would wonder how they were going to get through. I don't know if you have a perfect worship life But some days I wonder if I'm going to be able to make it through this mess. Some days I lift my hands and I shout unrelenting and I shout with all assurance. But some days I get on my knees and say, God, I don't know how you're going to get me out of this. I'm a work in progress. I'm a work in progress because I I feel like I kind of can relate to this man when Jesus is saying, hold on just a minute. Ever since I met you, a revolution has taken place, but I see some inklings of your past and I'm using you by name. See, Satan cannot claim who we are as new creations. No, he he cannot claim who we are as new creations in Christ. The only access Satan has is what's left of the old life that we have refused to kill, that we have refused to separate from, that we have entertained and made room for. I feel you, Lord, tonight. It's important that if you meet Christ that you change. He didn't come to this world just to redeem you. He came to this world to save you from sin. And the wages of sin. And as serious as this was, 
As serious as this was, Jesus didn't know, or Jesus knew exactly how Peter would mess this up. And he wasn't angry with Peter. He wasn't frustrated with Peter. Do you notice Jesus was calmly speaking and he, he didn't jump up. Even he did this with Judas. You're going to betray me. He knew this, but he was cool and he was calm. And he, he, but he also had a concern for Peter. He had a concern for Peter because Peter was about to fall in a very heavy trial. He was about to go through something that he says. You see, he said in verse 32, oh, no, or verse 33, oh, no, I want to die with you. I want to go. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. You're a work in progress, Peter. So, so you're going to go through some hard things that you don't even see coming yet. And Jesus wanted Peter to know in that moment he wasn't upset with him. He wasn't mad with him. And, and he said to Peter, he said, Satan has asked for you. That passage of the scripture says that Jesus said to Peter, Satan has asked for you. Who in the world did he ask? He asked God for Peter. Stay with me. I'm going to shake your religious socks all the way off tonight. He asked God for Peter. He asked God because the devil knows he has to get permission to touch people that are under the covering of the Most High God. This is not a new thing. This is what he did when he said, consider Job in the Old Testament. He said, if you would just take your hand off of him, I promise I could get to him. And, and the Bible says God stepped back. And said, have your best shot, but I know my boy Job. And Job is going to come through in the last minute. The devil had to ask for permission. Why? Because Peter belonged to Jesus. Simon belonged to sin, but Peter belonged to Jesus. I may have belonged to some bad habits at one time, but thank God today I belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Thank God you might have a record. You might have a pedigree you're not proud of. But thank God the day you found Jesus, things changed for you. Peter belonged to Jesus. The devil's complaint here and the devil's complaint to Job was that God had his hand on him. And so Satan had to ask Jesus, ask God for permission to tempt Peter. I believe that that stretches us because we really don't understand spiritual warfare too much. We always think it's because the enemy just has all this power to attack us. But if you really believe that you're a work in progress, God knows that sometimes you've got to test up out of the level that you're at. When I finished third grade, I could not go through third grade again. At the end of third grade, I had to take a test and it was difficult for me in third grade. But when I got into fourth grade, what used to be difficult in third grade is no longer difficult because I have tested up out of that season. And Jesus was about to leave the earth and he needed somebody he could build his church on. And so he, he granted for a moment the enemy the permission 
Because again, you can't, you can't have what is a new creation in God, in Christ. The devil doesn't have authority over those in Christ. How many of you are in Christ tonight? How many of you are the Lord? Jesus is the Lord of your life. If you are in Christ, the devil can't come and take from you. That's not scriptural. You can't find it. The devil does come to steal, kill, and destroy, but he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus comes that you have life and life abundantly. You mean to tell me the devil can take from Jesus? He tried that one time. He tried that one time and the revelation says, I saw Satan fall like lightning, fall from heaven because his pride. And he, he tried to take from the things of God and he couldn't do it. We need to understand something about the nature of God. I wrote this down. As long as you're abiding in Christ, you walk in the divine protection of God. I'm gonna say this again. We need to understand this about the nature and the character of God. As long as you're abiding in Christ, you walk in the divine protection of God and the devil can't just go get you anytime he wants you. There is nothing in this scripture that says the devil can just go run up on you and take from you. But I also wrote this down. If we are having trouble with an enemy though, it means God has permitted something, but only to bring back or bring out a greater blessing in our lives. Maybe you're going through trial, but it's not meant to destroy you. It's meant to improve you. Oh, Pastor Cliff, uh, uh, I, I don't really believe that, that it's meant to. Oh, hold on real. Buckle up tight because I got plenty of scripture to show you tonight that the enemy, the enemy cannot just run up on you. Jesus said in this life, you're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations. So he asked for, for Peter, for Simon. And he said to Simon, he said, the enemy wants to sift you, sift you, sh separate you, shake you, beat you, hurt you. He wants, to, he wants to beat you because he wants to separate you. He's referring to an Old Testament uh, 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 practice that they had something called the threshing floor. When these, when these harvests would come in, they would take the grain and they would lay it on a, a threshing floor and they would beat the heads of the grain in order to separate the, the, the fruit, the grain, from the chaff. To separate the, what they wanted was the wheat, but what they had to get through was the chaff in order to get the wheat. And Jesus is giving this term, and, and why I want to explain to this is this is how they would do it. First, they would, take, they would take the harvested wheat, and they would chop it up, and they would cut it, and then they would beat it on the floor of that threshing floor. They would stomp it. They would rub it. They would try to separate in order to get the harvest, the fruit out of it. They would take forks, and they would scoop it up, and they would throw it in the air, and the wind would blow the chaff, and then the wheat would fall back down to the ground. This is what Jesus is saying. He's trying to sift you. Have you ever been through some sifting in your life? Have you ever been through some times where there was pressure put on you, where there was, there was some pain put on you, where there was some tension put on you? You didn't like it. You didn't choose it, but you didn't know what was happening. I came here to tell you tonight that, that, that God was allowing you to go through that sifting so that it could separate you from the fluff and the things of this world that do not matter so he could have the real you. What he died on the cross to get was the real seed. And Jesus himself could 
compared himself to a wheat. He said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, then it can produce forth, raise again and produce forth a harvest. He, he's relating to us. I don't know if you've ever had some sift happen in your life. Sift happens. Turn to your neighbor and say, sift happens. In fact, some bull sift happens sometimes now and then. Hello. Oh, y'all got religious on me? Sometimes I wake up in the morning and say, oh, sift. It's a bad day. It's been a rough night. Sift happens. Run and tell that homeboy, sift happens. I've been a Christian a long time and sifting still happens. The devil, every time I turn around, the devil's got some more bull sift trying to get on my nerves and trying to work me over and trying to make me feel like I'm not doing, but what do I know? I know that God is just separating me from the chaff. He's separating me from the things of this world. He's separating me from the things that do not matter. He's trying to get out of me what he created me to be. Somebody ought to take 30 seconds and thank the Lord that he created you for more than what the enemy had planned. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. I feel my help coming here tonight. And this is what Peter, this is what Satan wanted to do to Simon. He wanted to separate him from Jesus. He wanted to separate. He wanted to shake Peter. He wanted to lose his attachment to Jesus. That is how you know the devil is working when he can get you away from the things of God. When he can get you away from the people of God. When he can get you away from the house of God. When he can get you out of routine of worship. When he can get you away from your word. When he can get you scared enough that you won't give another dollar. You won't serve another day. You won't speak another word simply because the enemy is trying to separate you. I told you a few weeks ago, Jesus came. He died on the cross. He died a bloody death. He won the war of sin and death. But Satan is trying to separate you from that sacrifice and the further he can get you. This is why it's not good that man be alone. I know the enemy's working in people's lives when he can get them isolated and quiet and silent. Because just like a predator, if he can pull off one sheep from the herd, it's easier to attack and kill that one sheep. I'm preaching real good tonight. I just, I just feel it in my spirit. So Satan and sin wants us to loose our attachment from Jesus. He wants us to go, he wants to go after the stuff that look like Peter's old habits. He wanted to go after this. He wanted to press Peter. He wanted to discourage Peter. Let me talk to somebody who's serving in ministry, but you feel discouraged serving in ministry and seem like you're always covering everybody else's base. You give and nobody gives in return. You smile and you don't get nothing back. I want to tell you that's just the enemy trying to separate you, trying to destroy you, trying to pull you away from the life-giving word, the life-giving well of the water of Jesus. Why would God allow the enemy to have at us like that? Hmm? I get so tired of every time something tragic happens in the world, who's the first one they blame? God. Why would a good God allow a school shooting? 
Why would a good God allow this world tragedy? Why would a good God allow this one in the White House or that one in the White House? Why would a good God allow all these things? And what I'm trying to tell you is, is, is what, 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 what happens in this world and what happens to you specifically. It happens to develop your faith. God is in the business of strengthening his church. He is not in the business of giving them a free ride, uh, 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 just a, a ride where you don't ever have a challenge. You would be weak. You would be unconvinced. He gives you something to prove you, to, to prove the faith inside of you. He allows this adversity to grow us up, to deepen our prayer life, to deepen our worship, to pull us closer to the fire. That is why you go through the hell that you go through. It's not because he doesn't love you. It's because he loves you too much to leave you weak in a strong world. The book of Romans says, and that's not all. We are full of joy even when we suffer is what it says. Pastor Cliff, well, I just don't believe in suffering. Well, I'm sorry. You have to rip out Romans chapter 5 verse 3. Because there are times in your life where you are going to suffer. There are times in your life where you're going to incur, you're going to encounter some sift. There's times in your life where you're going to encounter some pain. There's times in your life where you're going to say, what in the world? God, what is going on? Why have you left me in the desert? He didn't leave you in the desert. In fact, he's got his eye on you. His eye is on the sparrow. It's on you. He's just trying to get you ready for the new blessing, for the new level, for the new promise that he has in store for you. Don't be weary in doing good, Galatians said, for in due season you will reap if you do not faint you cannot give up you cannot give in you can't quit early you cannot forfeit the game you cannot throw in the towel he's proving you tell your neighbor he's proving me tonight James chapter 1 verse 2 says my brothers and sisters you will face all kinds of trouble you will face trials and when you do I want you to put a smile on your face why because your faith will be tested. And you know that when this happens, it will produce in you the strength to continue. Perseverance is what it says. It'll produce in you uh, 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 the, 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 the uh, you must allow this strength to what finish its work. And then you will be all that you should be and you will have everything that you need. You don't get everything you need until you go through some trial. I'm a work in progress. I said, I'm a work in progress. Don't look at me yet. Don't, don't celebrate. Don't clap for me yet because I'm a work in progress. There's some things that I've got to get to. I've got to grow through. I almost brought my mug shot tonight and set it up here on the screen to tell somebody I'm a work in progress. I had some problems at some times in my life. You can smile and laugh and judge me if you want to, but God's separating me from the things that the enemy's tried to destroy me. He's throwing me up. He's allowing me to go through some threshing. Simple Simply because the Bible says, oh, I feel my help tonight, Jesus. The Bible says in verse 32, Jesus told Simon, I personally prayed for you. Now, I don't know what you think about prayer, but I just really believe if Jesus prays for you, it's going to be all right. It's like that old song, Paul, I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Oh, I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Oh, oh, I got a feeling 
Everything's gonna be all right. I don't know how, I don't know when, but if Jesus has prayed for me, everything is gonna be all right. Jesus said, but I prayed for you. But watch what Jesus prayed. He didn't pray for the battle to not come. He didn't pray for the battle to be easy on you. He prayed that your faith wouldn't fail. He prayed that through the middle of all this pain and pressure, this threshing and beating and separating, and all this going through, he prayed that your faith would not fail. He knew, he knew you'd cry sometimes. Listen to me, mom. He knew you'd stay up night, night after night, wondering if they're gonna come home. He knew, he knew husband and wife that, that it would be a challenge. He didn't pray that you would be out of the fire. He didn't exempt you from the valley of the shadow of death. What he said is, I will be with you. My rod and my staff will comfort you. Jesus knew what was going to happen to Peter. Let me say this again. If he knew what was going to happen to Peter, he knows what's going to happen to you. He knew what was ever going to happen to you. He knows what can, will, and might happen to you in the future. And his prayer for Simon was not that he would have an easy ride. Here's the problem with the modern-day American church. This is why I'm sick of some of y'all. Cliffalations, let me find it. Uh. Y'all think that if you just Shonda and Honda and give your buck in the bucket and lift your hands and sing Christian karaoke, that that gives you a free ride to a life of pleasure and no stress and no worry, and there's nothing scriptural about that. Some people think that prosperity has everything to do with money, and it doesn't leave money out. But there is something to say about a mind that is prosperous, and a love life that is prosperous, and a relationship with your kids that is prosperous, and a, and a peace of heart that is prosperous. God wants us to prosper, but he knows that there are some challenges we've got to go through. Who's going through a challenge? Who's going through a situation? Who's going through a, a thinking, a, a, a thinking that everything uh, uh, just seems like it's working against you? Jesus prayed for a fail-proof prayer, and then he said, "And when?" Everybody say, "When?" And when you have returned to me, strengthen the brethren. Wait a minute, returned. Does that mean Jesus' prayer didn't work and he somehow left him? Did that mean that Peter's faith was going to fail despite Jesus' intercession? No, Peter would return precisely because Jesus did pray for his faith. He would return precisely to the things of God because he did specifically pray for him to not fail. Satan's attempt to shake him may have caused him to stumble, but Jesus' prayer over him caught him and put him right back where he needed to be. Jesus lets Peter know, you're going to trip, bro. 
You're going to go through some sift. You're going to go through some pain. You're going to go through some tears. You're going to go through some shame. I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me to tell somebody in 305 East 19 tonight, you're going to go through some pain at times. You're going to go through some shame at times. You're going to cry some tears you didn't want to cry. You're going to feel some separation you didn't want to experience. But none of it was meant to destroy you. None of it was meant to take you out. None of it was meant to lay you down. It was meant to build you up to what he has for you in this next new season. Why am I saying that? Because Peter went one day from denying Jesus to 40 days later on the day of Pentecost. He stood at the edge of that room and he said, these are not drunk as you suppose. They have been filled with the Holy Ghost. And he preached the first New Testament message. Of, of the New Testament church, the father of the New Testament church is Jesus, but he built his church on Peter the rock. And why we meet in this fashion today is because one man who was a work in progress decided to not let his denial and his betrayal and his addiction and his shame and his cussing problem and all the other stuff that he had on his repertoire of sin. He didn't let it stop him from being who God created him to be. And Peter said to him, my prayer for you is that your faith don't fail. And he said, and when you come back, make sure you pick up those who don't know how to do it and you hold them in your arm and you strengthen what? Your brethren. You give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Blessed are those who are merciful for they shall what? Obtain mercy. God will get everything he needs to you if he can trust that he can get everything he needs through you. If all you heard me was talking about was money right there, you missed it. Because he can bring peace to your house if you can be a peacemaker in somebody else's house. He'll bring mercy upon your soul when you are merciful to those around you. What does mercy mean? Mercy means I should hold them accountable for what they've done to me. But because I have get, gotten mercy... I'm going to be merciful to somebody else. I'm going to forgive those that have debts against me so that I can be forgiven of the debts I have against him. When I, when I get back to where I need to be. See, this is the part that, that we stop at. We just live this life of always thinking we're a failure. Peter, in a 40-day time period denied Jesus and 40 days later God used him to build the New Testament church we live in today the Catholics like to lay claim of Peter being the the first priest huh? the first Pope but I say he's the father of Pentecost and it was the Pentecostals that were running around the streets that day in Jerusalem looking wild looking drunk worshiping and praising simply because they had been filled with the Holy Ghost
I think it was us that was out there. When you get back, strengthen the brethren. He left, and I'm closing with this, he left the ministry to Peter. He left the ministry to Peter, listen to me closely, to give encouragement and direction to others while that, 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 that were going through what he had already been through. Can I pastor you for 60 seconds? He didn't bring you through the fire for you to leave people in the fire. He didn't bring you out of domestic abuse for you to leave people in domestic abuse. He didn't bring you out of rape and molestation and hurt and pain and theft of your, your innocence for you to leave others. He brought you through it so that you could what? Strengthen the brethren. Have you been through a hard relationship? Have you been through financial struggles? Have you been the person who was addicted to glass bottles and pipes and syringes? He didn't take you through it for you to turn your back on those who don't know how to get out of it. He said, when you return to me, Peter, strengthen the brethren. My God, tonight, I feel like the Holy Ghost is here to tell somebody in this room, we got you. There's somebody in this room who is going through hell. You think God is mad at you. You think he has deserted you. You are in a war in your mind. Your emotions are volatile. You cannot love. You cannot smile. You cannot be. Why? Because you, you really feel abandoned by God. But I'm here to tell you tonight, it's not over. Sir, you're a work in progress. Sis, you're a work in progress. I don't care if you've gone to church all your life. I was born on a Thursday and in a Pentecostal church on Sunday, and I'm still a work in progress. That doesn't make you or me any more or less loved by God. Everybody in this room, hear what I'm about to say. And don't you let a lying devil convince you anything otherwise. Jesus loves you as much today as he's ever loved you. And he loves you as much today as he's ever going to love you. He gave his love everlasting from author to finisher. From beginning to end. The wisdom that you have gained by getting through the night that you denied him will strengthen you on the day of Pentecost when you speak his praises. Hey, Peter. Hey, Simon. The war of my old life. See, here in just a moment, we're going to line up some people and they're going to lay down their old life. Some of you may see a tank of water, but what I see is a casket. I see a six-foot hole, and here in just a little bit, we're going to bury that old dead man in the water. And if any man be in Christ, he has been raised to be a new creation, a resurrected person. What is in that water is the old Simon. But what will come out of that water is Petrus, Peter, upon this rock. 
will build my church. I want to say this prophetically, and then we're going to move ahead. The Lord wants to build something through you. Yes, I want to say that when you receive what I'm about to say, when you receive it for yourself, stand to your feet. Don't stand yet because I ain't said nothing, so chill. But when this resonates in your spirit, I want you to stand and lift both hands. God is going to build something inside of you. And it is not your qualifications. It is not who you are, what family you came from, all your skills. It simply is God's will for your life. And he's going to build something great inside of you. But, but, you can stand at any time. But you're going to go through some nights of denial. You're going to go through some trials and some tribulation. You're going to go through some pain. But there is a Pentecost coming later. There is a day where he's going to show himself glory through you. But you're going to go through some tears and you're going to go through some pain. And if you're not afraid, there they are. If you're not afraid to go through the pain, if you're not afraid to go through the the threshing, if you're not afraid to go through the pressing and the beating, if you're not afraid for God to separate you from the things that are holding back the fruit of your potential, if you're not afraid of that, you'll see your purpose. Nothing in this world will ever be your purpose. Nothing. Nothing. My treasure are not laid up on this earth. Your purpose will be found in what he has for you. You'll lead people to purpose. Come on all over this room. Would you lift your hands and will you close your eyes and receive this word? You'll lead people to purpose. You'll lead people into that Pentecost, into that day of a New Testament church being birthed and born inside of you. Jesus saw Pentecost while Peter was feeling denial. Jesus saw the New Testament church. Jesus saw these are not drunk as you suppose while Peter was feeling like a failure. You are not a failure. You are not a failure. You have not failed. Maybe it didn't go right. Maybe it didn't work the way you thought. But dang, quit beating yourself up. Quit letting a defeated devil rob you. Your smile has changed. Your your character has changed. The enemy has been so good at lying to you. He's Paul, he almost tried to rob you from the voice you had inside of you because of discouragement and hurt and pain. Thank God. Thank God your faith didn't fail you. Thank God your faith didn't fail you because God saw a Pentecost while you saw denial. Father, we lift our hearts and our hands to you. Come on, open your mouth. I want you to talk to him for the next 60 seconds. Come on, worship team. I want you to talk to him for the next 60 seconds in your own voice. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to stay up to date, be sure to follow us on all social media platforms or visit us online at myhopealive.church.